0: Stu Does America. Big day today. StudosMerch.com. Use the promo code Stu10 and save 10%. If you're watching on YouTube, like the video right now. Hit the bell for notifications. Do all the things. Jill Savage is here to talk about the media circus surrounding women's basketball right now. And it is a circus. And the day the media has been waiting for forever. The arrest and arraignment of former President Donald Trump. So buckle in. We've got a lot to cover today as we do Trump. Arrest Day. Did you put up your tree? Did you hang the, at the very top handcuffs in place of the star? That's how Trump Arrest Day works. We're all here to celebrate it, at least if we happen to be in the media. Here's what it looked like outside the Manhattan courthouse. They got uh, quite the scene. Lots of people gathered. Really, more anti-Trump protesters than Trump supporters were there. That might have something to do with. The fact that approximately 99% of them are hardcore liberals. So, uh, you know, you're not going to get too much of a Trump crowd. It's not exactly, it's like as much Trump country as Chicago is when you go out for a Subway sandwich and uh, you get attacked by all those Trump people in Trump country in Chicago, uh, like our boy Jussie Smollett. Uh, it's not really Trump central, even though a lot of the buildings that are there are buildings he built. Um, the, of course, there may have been, there's three groups there. You had the pro Trump supporters, you had the anti Trump, and then the biggest group of all, of course, the media. And here's what that looked like the media circus outside. Thousands and zillions and trillions of supporters. Uh, really of the indictment. This is who these people are. They're just activists cheering this stuff on. And, you know, look, we came into today with a couple things that we didn't know. And we're going to get into the details of now what we do know. We now have the indictments. We now have the statements of fact. And in the next break, we're going to go through basically the entire statement of fact. We're going to tell you exactly what's in there. I want you to know what's in there. I want you to know what they found. It is a fascinating journey. We'll get to that here in just a second. Of course, there was really an emotional roller coaster for the poor people over at CNN today. I mean, it was, they started out the, the day so happy. Here's, uh, they first gave you this graphic of exactly how this day was going to go. They put a lot of thought into this a six step process on, you know, the arraignment from the district attorney's office to the processing to the courtroom to the arraignment to leaving the courthouse and then back to Mar a Lago and they had all sorts of detail on this. This was their erotica. This was CNN erotica, is what it was it was they were pumped up this was basically their Stormy Daniels video if you know what i'm saying they were they were into it they were fired up and they brought you through the whole day step by step so take this journey with me let's take the CNN roller coaster together because it started off oh so promising soon trump leaves trump tower for new york courthouse these are all real screenshots by the way <laughs> let me take you through this soon trump leaves trump tower for new york courthouse okay any minute Mmm, any minute trump leaves trump tower for new york courthouse then it was trump leaves trump tower for arraignment followed by trump en route to arraignment at nyc courthouse now that was a, kind of, if you've ever driven in new york you know it's not a 5 minute drive even though it's pretty close so that went on and on so they had to do another update trump still en route to arraignment At NYC courthouse. Then Trump arrives at criminal court to surrender to NYC authorities. But that wasn't enough. Donald Trump under arrest and awaiting arraignment. Then Trump being processed in court awaiting arraignment. Trump heading to criminal courtroom for arraignment. Trump in criminal court. (laughs) It's just amazing. Trump in criminal courtroom for arraignment. All on the screen from CNN. Trump arraignment underway. By the way, this picture... Which you see here, this is a screenshot from CNN. This was the first picture that came out of the courtroom, though. And they, I mean, I am not lying to you. When they spent at least a half an hour talking about this photo, talking about his facial expression, zooming in on his facial expression, co- you know, uh, cropping all the other people in the photo out, saying how often... He might feel sad or somber or angry. He's usually a jovial guy. He's usually happy, but here he is. He's making a sad face in court. What does this mean? Let's bring in an expert who's been with him before. What does it mean when he makes a soured puss face? Oh, my God. On and on and on and on and on. It was excruciating. And I do this for you. For you. I suffered through this CNN coverage all day. For you, So you didn't have to watch it so you can get this nice little rundown and you can know how crazy the day was over at CNN. I did it for you. I hope you appreciate this. Click like on the video right now. If you appreciate follow this channel for God's sake. I spent an entire day watching CNN. So Trump arraignment was underway then source Donald Trump pleads not guilty. Is any of this stuff new yet? Were you surprised when he left Trump Tower? Were you surprised that any minute he might leave Trump Tower? Were you surprised when he arrived? Were you surprised when he was arrested? Were you surprised when he was charged? Were you surprised when he pled not guilty? Were you surprised at the exact amount of counts that he pled not guilty to? Because then they had source. Trump pleads not guilty to 34 counts. Then guess what happens, guys? Trump leaves criminal court after arraignment. He didn't sleep over. Are you shocked? He didn't even spend the night. He always says he's going to spend the night, but he didn't spend the night again. Guys, I gotta go. Trump indictment unsealed. Trump involved in illegal conspiracy. Trump attorney speaking outside court. Manhattan DA speaks after Trump arraignment and on and on and on and went. Alvin Bragg did come out and make a statement afterwards. And to tell you that this guy sucks even more than you thought yesterday, it would be an understatement. This is really an embarrassment. And I will tell you, it was absolutely soul-crushing, like a little puppy not getting a treat after watching CNN go through this entire day of talking up this, this thing. The arraignment took a little bit longer than expected. They were building this up. If it's been this long, he must be being uh, uh, attacked by the judge for all these mean tweets he's been putting out or mean truths he's been putting out. And this is incredible what it's going to be. And then they got the thing and they read the thing and they all were emotionally destroyed and all of it played out right on camera. If you have a chance to go back, and I don't know if you, have, I don't know if you could, but right before, let's say it was uh, five o'clock central, the last segment of that that particular hour was, you know, people like Van Jones and all these all these big Democrats out there just going like, "Wow, if this is it, I mean, this is, and now this is going to ruin all the other prosecutions." And I mean, they can't even look at the camera; they were so just devastated. I mean, these people were devastated that they got this. They thought they had this wonderful package being gifted to them, and then they got nothing. They really, really wanted this to be true. This was their path to ratings bonanzas. This was their path to the candidate they wanted to face in the primary. This is their path to big time numbers and and everybody talking about them again. Don't you remember those days in 2016 and 17 when everyone was talking about CNN's coverage and we were winning ratings battles? Do you remember those days they're coming back? And now I am afraid they are not. And so much of this is essentially, once again, Donald Trump's expert media manipulation. Again, he left Mar-a-Lago yesterday in the middle of the day and took his jet with giant Trump on the side with uh, absolutely this was leaked by Trump people of when this was going to happen, where to go, where the helicopters should be, what time they should be there. Everybody knew he could have taken another private jet in the middle of the night. He's got the money to do it. Landed at two o'clock in the morning. No one would have even noticed. No one would be talking about it. But Trump knows If he if he wants this attention, he wants people to focus on this because this is his main pitch to the primary voters is his main pitch to the country. I have been a victim of these attacks and I'm the only one who can fight back against them. You need me in there because if they do this to me, they'll do it to you, too. That's his entire pitch right now. Really, I mean, he hasn't been talking all that much about policy. That's not People kind of say, well, we remember him as president, and we kind of liked his policies. The economy was certainly in better shape, and things were going pretty well. So we don't really have to talk about that. It's really more of a personality and approach sort of race right now. This is what he's pitching, and he is manipulating the media and loving it. One of the big reports that came out of this today was the iconic mugshot picture that uh, was supposed to happen today didn't happen. They did not take a mugshot of Trump and uh, they don't believe there's going to be one anytime soon. So you know what Trump did? His campaign staff photoshopped a mugshot and put it on a t-shirt. What does this tell you about what this is? He knows this is helping him. The media wants it to be this devastating thing, but I don't think it's going to work for them. They are playing a very risky game. The media and the left want Donald Trump to be the candidate because they think they can beat him. And Politico had uh, something on this today. Biden's advisors are confident that those swing voters, the people who voted initially for Trump and now for Biden in 2020, are now permanently out of Trump's reach, according to four senior people. In the Biden campaign, they have a difficult time imagining that a voter who went from Trump in 2016 but then ran away from him in 2020 would return to cast their ballot for the former president after the January 6th insurrection, several criminal investigations, and years of election election denialism. This is a very, very dangerous game and one that they are going to try to play and one that Trump very much wants to lure them in so that he's the candidate and he can play against them as well. He believes he can beat Biden. Biden believes they can beat Trump. And that does seem to be the most likely outcome here, the most likely path that we're going down in 2024. Now, before we go, because the next break I'm going to spend just going through the statement of facts. I want to make sure you know everything that's in here. Before we go, this case, that, all the, the hype that you saw today on Trump Arrest Day, that is a case that is now the next step in this case occurs in December. That's how long this is going to be dragged out. We now have an eight-month break before anything else happens in this case at all eight months we're talking about December right before uh, the primaries after a bunch of the debates in the middle of this they're gonna come back and try to do this in the middle of the campaign season do they have anything though why would they do all this if they didn't get something good we'll tell you what they got coming up next Sure, you can go to Brazil or Colombia and get crazy stuff done to your face, but why would you do that when you have GenuCell? Claire writes in and says, I absolutely love GenuCell. My skin feels so good, tighter, younger, with a more even tone, and I only used it for a week. My advice for everyone, take a before picture. Mm, Good advice. Jim makes a more salient point as he writes, My wife loves it. Ever since I purchased it for her, things got more interesting after dark. Because this is what guys... This is it. I mean, we, the reason we buy gifts is, well, forget it. We'll get into that later. It's true. Nothing works like Cell because it is a family recipe that has been around for over 20 years, made by a compounding pharmacist in small batches and always safe, cruelty-free and natural. Right now, you can go to jennycellcom stew. Save over 70% off Cell's most popular package featuring their ultra-retinol and dark spot corrector, don't wait. It's genucell.com slash stew, genucell.com slash stew. All orders upgraded to free shipping, and every subscription order includes a complimentary spring spa box with three spa essentials also free for a limited time. You can visit now. It's genucell.com slash stew, genuce com slash stew. All right, let's go through this. So there's two things that came out today. First of all, the indictment. Here's what it looks like. I would read this to you, but honestly, it's just the same paragraph, basically copy and pasted 34 times. Um, The way it works is each count, each time Donald Trump wrote a check, uh, they count that as a new count uh, uh, against him. Uh, and honestly, a lot of times it was two counts because th- they recorded it. One time it was the check, one time it was how we recorded it. Uh, they went through and really extend, we talked to and- Andrew McCarthy earlier on the radio show and he said, you know, the way a lot of times these district attorneys will blow up charges is they will, instead of just making one charge for all of this stuff, they'll break it up and make it sound like a lot. You go for quality or quantity instead of quality. It's exactly what they did here. Uh, the other thing that came out was this statement of fact, which is more interesting. It kind of brings you through the storyline. So let's just go through that here so you know what's in it. Defendant Donald Trump repeatedly and fraudulently falsified New York business records to conceal criminal conduct that hid damaging information from the voting public during the 2016 presidential election. That's important that they're tying it to the 2016 election because that's the only thing they sort of are trying to do to make this into a felony. From August 2015 to to December 2017, The defendant orchestrated a scheme with others to influence the 2016 presidential election by identifying and purchasing negative information about him to suppress its publication and benefit the defendant's electoral prospects. In order to execute the unlawful scheme, the participants violated election laws and made and caused false entries in the business records of various entities in New York. So they're not just saying that he lied about it or that he paid off a porn star. They're saying that he was doing it. It has to be tied to the election. The reason he was doing it was to hide the information from voters. And also uh, the unlawful scheme um, had to you had to violate the election laws in in New York. And also they really try to tie it to federally. But that really gets into more uh, complicated stuff. Um, uh, And we'll get into that here in a second. Um, They talk about who Trump is. You're going to be surprised. Uh, He was um, this. This paragraph is very important. From approximately June 2015 to November 2016, the defendant was a candidate for the office of president of the United States. Hmm. On January 20th, 2017, he became president of the United States. Who knew? Okay. so here's the uh, different allegations. There's actually one extra one in here you might have forgotten about. Um, What's new in here? Let's see. First of all, the uh, Trump Tower meeting, there's a meeting between Trump and the National Enquirer people, along with Michael Cohen, where they went through and talked about the possibility, hey, I'm running for president. We know there's going to be some people throwing uh, mud at us, some allegations coming at us. If those pop up, hey, you guys at National Enquirer, get in touch with these people, buy their stories, tell them, they're, you know, we're going to we're going to publish them. And then maybe they don't get published. Maybe we couldn't fact check them exactly. And so they kind of go away. That was the catch and kill scheme. That really I mean, I don't think Trump ever comes out and says, yes, we were trying to catch and kill. But he was he'll say, look, I you know, this was we he's going to say these are fake allegations and I didn't want people to hear them. Um, So that's kind of really the basis of this. The first story they tell is not Stormy Daniels, is not uh, McDougal, the Playboy bunny, but instead a doorman. Now, you may have forgotten this story Uh, in October, November 2015. The National Enquirer people learned from a former that a former Trump Tower doorman was trying to sell information regarding a child that the defendant had allegedly fathered out of wedlock. The, uh, the CEO's direction, they negotiated and signed an agreement to pay the doorman thirty thousand dollars to acquire exclusive rights to the story. Now, in the books for the National Enquirer, they recorded this. Um, in the, uh, in uh, uh, they characterized this payment in their books in records, including to, including in its general ledger, they purchased the information from the doorman without fully investigating its claims. Now, what's interesting about this one, and it's amazing that they include this in here because so much of the Stormy Daniels talk has been about, did he actually do it? Trump still denies it. Well, this story, the National Enquirer looks into and finds out that it's false. So they actually paid $30,000 for a false story, yet that's still in the allegations here. No one's even saying it's true. They're actually saying that it's false but because it was taken in the it, written in the books as a legal fee of some sort that apparently is one of the violations Then there's woman one. Woman one is going to be McDougal. She was the playboy bunny who uh, had what she alleges is a one year affair starting, I think, in 2006 with Donald Trump. Um, The uh, the National Enquirer, again, involved in this one, along with Michael Cohen. They get um, some uh, they pay eventually one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to McDougal to keep her quiet. Now, they also tell her they're going to put her on the cover of a couple of magazines and also get a bunch of uh, stories that she could write. She was looking at this as, I'll get the $150,000 and I'll be able to raise my profile. She wanted to be like, I think, a fitness, uh, you know, a fitness influencer. Uh, That never panned out because they never gave her uh, these covers. And that eventually all uh, fell apart. They got angry. She got angry about that. Eventually, she went on TV and talked about it. Um, Now, uh, the... The chief financial officer for the Trump organization um, went uh, around and talked about this behind the scenes, how to get this whole payment situation set up. Trump asked, so what do we have to pay for this? One fifty and suggested paying by cash. Michael Cohen disagreed and defendant then uh, mentioned payment by check. Uh, Less than two months before the election, the uh, there was an agreement signed one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars to the to one company. And it kind of went back and forth there. Then you have the Stormy Daniels part of the story. Daniels, um, we know these stories. Uh, We have, of course, the situation around the Access Hollywood tape, where the Access Hollywood tape comes out, and then the Stormy Daniels thing all of a sudden is going to be a big story. This is when Trump's people go after it. Now, the Trump argument here, and this is the same thing as the John Edwards argument, is basically, hey, I wanted to do this so my wife wouldn't find out about it, not because um, I was trying to protect the campaign. Look, both things were were in play here. I mean, I think if we're going to be realistic, obviously he was protecting his presidential campaign that was a week away. He didn't want this information coming out, but it is completely legal for him to pay it. Now, if he just paid it directly, in theory, there would be no problem, right? Well, not according to Alvin Bragg, because actually the way they manipulated this, which is incredible, they basically said because he paid it directly and didn't pay it, through campaign money, it's a campaign finance violation because it was basically a campaign expense and he just paid it out of his money. Now, this is completely absurd because if he had just used campaign money to pay off Stormy Daniels, of course, that would have been a big problem and they would have also come after him for campaign finance reform. But instead, because he paid it He didn't pay it directly, but he paid it himself to Michael Cohen, who had set up a company. They go through all the details in here about how that was set up. But the bottom line is he paid it himself eventually. The funny part about that is, of course, as the candidate himself, he has unlimited amounts of donations he can make to his own campaign. So he could have donated it through his campaign. But the accusation is he didn't want people to know about it. So he hid it and written wrote it off as a uh, as a, uh, you know, a a legal um, consultation. Now, it may not have been exactly legal consultation, but this is, of course, what would amount to potentially a misdemeanor, potentially a fine, if it fell within the five-year statute of limitations, which it does not. They go on and talk about how afterward they – he tried to – this is kind of a funny uh, Trump tactic – but he tried to delay the payment to Stormy Daniels until after the the election – And then was like, basically like, hey, if we don't pay before the election, who cares if it comes out? Now, that kind of under undercuts the idea that, uh, you know, look, it kind of undercuts the idea that it was about his wife finding out. That being said, the main thing that they're getting him on here for is instead of saying, hey, we're reimbursing Michael Cohen for expenses, because if they said they did that. They would have to identify what the expenses were. Instead, what they did is they overpaid Cohen. They overpaid him by basically a little bit more than double, so that he could get he could get after tax revenue that would be equal to what he wound up paying Stormy Daniels. So they paid him like four hundred and sixty thousand dollars instead of the one fifty or whatever, which was basically a bonus plus double the money so it can get cut down after taxes. You know, again, is that a good uh, technique? Is it a, a technique that is above board? Probably not, but again, outside the statute of limitations. What's amazing about this, I mean, I could go through all the details here with you because it goes on to talk about how they tried to hide the payments, how they tried to kind of sweep this under the rug. What's interesting about it really at the very end of the day is that the whole point of this, we all knew All the stuff I talked to you about, there's a couple recordings of phone calls in here that they discuss, all recordings we've heard before. There's literally nothing new in this document. And so what we were looking for, at the very least, was a reason. What's the reason? How did they tie this to make it a felony? They charged him with 34 felonies. How do they do that? We were talking for weeks about how it was a novel legal theory, how they would take these local crimes and turn them into federal crimes and to do that to make it that would be that would make it uh, give them the ability to give them a, a felony here what's incredible is they basically say they did that but then don't tell you what federal law it's tied to they don't tell you what the other crime is they actually filed this crap heap of an indictment without even identifying what the other crime was they just said it's tied to election crimes without giving any specifics So, I mean, this is the type of thing that makes your CNN anchors get depressed. This is what causes depression in CNN anchors all over the country. We know social media causes it in teenagers. This is what causes it in CNN anchors. I went through this whole thing. There is literally nothing new. There might be a couple things that you kind of forgot, like really the doorman thing that had already been reported. Wait, the phone call with Michael Cohen or the conversation with Michael Cohen that had been recorded and released years ago. There is not one thing new in here. It's incredibly embarrassing. This is something that even I coming in as a skeptic am impressed by the ineptitude here by Alvin Bragg. This this has nothing. They've got nothing. This should be thrown out immediately. That's the whole story. Now, apologies for spending all this time on this giant zilch that I hold in my hand, this ridiculous Trump indictment. Let's move on. We'll do something a little bit more fun here. Jill Savage joins us next. It's always great to have Blaze TV contributor Jill Savage in the studio in town. Welcome, Jill.
1: I am so excited. So we have the movie premiere tonight that we are all going to for Steve Dace and Nefarious. But I backed that up because my Iowa women's basketball team made it to the Final Four. (laughs) And everything was in Dallas this weekend. So it worked out so well. So I got to come in, do some shows here at Blaze Headquarters and get all of the events in as well. I'm
0: so glad you're here. Um, I will say I didn't know you were a a Hawkeye. I didn't know this beforehand. Uh, And I will say I got... I am the example of a bandwagon fan on this one. I totally got sucked in by the Caitlin Clark thing, and I'm all in on her now. I didn't know anything about her until like a month ago or three weeks ago. Now I'm the biggest fan in the world.
1: Absolutely. I tweeted out, uh, it was around the Sweet 16, I said, <laughs> hey, to everybody who is just figuring out who Caitlin Clark is, welcome to the party because, you know, she's from Iowa. I was born and raised in Iowa, so we've always known about her. And, you know, she was a big recruit when it was sure. when it was happening. But then what she's been able to do in college has been so exciting and gets people who don't, one, care about any, you know, women's basketball in yeah. general or the Hawkeyes a, as a team. Everybody's jumping on board now, and I love it.
0: I basically have never had interest in, in women's basketball. It just, you know, it's, it hasn't been my thing. Yeah. And, and that includes growing up in Connecticut when, like, UConn was really – Gino Auriemma and all that was going on. And I just never got into it at all. But the Caitlin Clark thing brought me in. I saw, you know, I read one article, watched a couple of YouTube videos. I was totally in. It's like watching Steph Curry. It's hilarious.
1: Absolutely. She, because of NIL, the players are allowed to sell their own merchandise now. Right, right, right. And so last year, she sold Caitlin Clark shirts that said from the logo. Because she can right. able, she's able to just pop threes. <laughs> Literally, if you cross half court, hilarious. you have to start guarding her because yeah. she is lethal from anywhere on the court.
0: It's amazing to watch, too, because... Their offense was essentially just give it to her on every play and let her do something with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and she's a
0: great passer too.
1: Yeah. So I mean, they could do a pick and roll with their big mm-hmm. Monica Sonano, yeah. but other than that, it's like, hey, <laughs> if Caitlin is double teamed, you have other shooters that are able to knock down shots and they are usually going to be wide open mm-hmm. once we got to NCAA tournament time because everybody is like, Hey, we're we are going to double Caitlin Clark and she's still putting up forty one points back to back games Incredible. in the Elite Eight and the Final Four. Like Nobody has ever done this in the history of the tournament to a, to have a 30-point triple-double. And she went out and had a 40-point triple-double with all the defenders on her trying to shut her down. That's the game plan. It
0: really was incredible to watch. And I could sit here and honestly talk to you just about these games and just the, the basketball aspects of this the entire time. Yeah. But, of course, it had to devolve into
1: we can't have nice things still no we can't we can't it
0: really is where we are we cannot have nice things uh you know there was this trash talking incident which like again people are blowing it up as like oh well uh you're not allowed to trash talk and and how can you be critical of what's her name angel reese yep. um for trash talking and i don't care if she trash talks i mean i think there's charm in that i have no problem with the trash talking my problem with it was bringing race into it afterward, acting as if this was the whole country uniting behind a white girl because she's white yeah. and everyone. Like, why do we always have to go down the same road?
1: Because sports media members are even more leftist mm. than regular news media. Members. <laughs> oh, wow. They really are. This is one of the reasons why I left sports journalism, because. Mm. They don't feel like they have to hide it, right? They don't there's right. no objectivity objectivity at all there. They're like, yeah, this is who we are. Of course this is who we are. Why wouldn't we be this way? And that's Dawn Stanley was out yeah. there and, and she was trying to like race bait going into the Final Four game and I'm like, okay, that's kind of who she is and what she does. And Angel Reese just kinda of caught on to that and said, I'm doing this for all the people that look like me. Like There has never been a black female basketball player (laughs) before. Like, I I covered women's basketball for the Pac-12 Network for like a decade. Let me tell you. They dominate the sport. They dominate. Right. It's, it's not It's not like, oh, there's this, you know, uh, right. sanity where there's this one Asian right, man right. who comes through. Yeah. No, this is what the sport is, by and large, made up of. Yeah,
0: right. And, and like, you know, I, I, it's just such a bizarre thing to bring this in. I mean, one of the statements, it was in, I think the Washington Post wrote a story about it, and it said, like, a quote from her is saying, like, you know, you guys have been ignoring me all year, said Angel Reese, who was recognized as a number, for first team All-American. It's like, I think you've been recognized i think people know
1: first team all-american she had 17 nil deals which was the most for number of nil deals Mm -hmm. for a women's college basketball player that number will definitely go up after winning a national championship caitlin clark will get more as well a lot of women's basketball has gotten noticed this year so it's a good thing overall but again we can't just look at this and say LSU played a great game. They were able to, you know, control a lot of Iowa's players and go out and get the victory. No, it has to be, but racism.
0: Yeah, it has to be about racism. Why does it always have to? I mean, look, you know, for, and I hate to say this, but, like, no one's remembering. No one's remembering Angel Reese and her, her victory. This was, this was Caitlin Clark's tournament, and that's how people are going to remember it, even though, she finished in second. It was still her tournament. Uh, that's just the way it is. It's, that was real, and I think it brought in so many new people who would never have watched before. Um, and watching the game, too, I have to say. You know, look, LSU won the game. They had, I don't remember what her name was, go seven for seven from three-point. Like, like, that. she hadn't scored any points in the entire tournament. This happens, and, like, it's going to be great drama, I think, next year. But like this was Caitlin Clark's tournament and that's everyone's gonna have to just realize it. You are preaching to the choir. (laughs) I couldn't
1: be more happy right now because they would say, Oh yeah, of course you're an Iowa grad, this is what you're Mm. going to say. But if you look at the viewership numbers, every time Caitlin Clark was on, it was an all-time record from the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, Final Four, all the way through the championship game. And it was it was strictly the Iowa games that would be the highest rated because you had Magic Johnson. Tweeting yeah. about Caitlin Clark. You had Barry Sanders tweeting about Caitlin Clark, let alone like Pat Mahomes and Steph Curry, they've been doing this all along. But after the tournament got started and Caitlin's name kept going and going, and like the legend kept growing bigger and bigger. And you're like, can this can this girl keep doing this? Yeah. And she was able to step up and perform every time. And I gotta say,
0: I think for the first time, I can certainly ever say this, and I don't know if you if you would disagree with this, but the the women's tournament had more juice than the guys' tournament. Amen. I mean, they've yeah. ruined men's college basketball because they can only stay there for like two weeks and they all go to the NBA. Right. And you never get any feel for these teams. You don't know who any of these guys are when they're there. The women's tournament had real juice. It was the better product this time, which is the first time I can ever remember saying
1: And that. for the first time, I think that I had a lot of conversations with a lot of my sports colleagues saying, I don't know why, but... I'm watching more of the women's tournament yeah. than I am the men's tournament. Incredible. And, it, you know, if you have Purdue and Arizona and a lot of the Blue Bloods that were just losing mm-hmm. in the very early rounds of the tournament, that did not help on the men's side. But, yeah, for, for the women, they had an exciting product. And you grew up in, you know, UConn and Rebecca yeah. Lobo. There wasn't that competition there. Mm-hmm. Now the games – are, uh, across the board, yeah. the level of play is more competitive. It's not just UConn is going to come in and dominate the whole thing.
0: That's what I remember too. There's the three or four teams. They'd all go, you know, thirty-four and two or, yeah. or thirty-six and zero, and then they'd make it to the finals, and that was it every year. It is changing, and I think that's a, that's a period, you know, the, the sport developing and, and growing. Um, but you know, as a guy who was, you know grew up in Connecticut. I mean, UConn won the men's championship. I have friends who who went to UConn and are you know big, huge fans of UConn, but like they don't even jump in anymore until the the, the tournament. Like it, like it, the whole sport has really just been hollowed out.
1: Did you care about the championship that they won?
0: I mean, I the don't. Men's side. I, I'm not a UConn fan, yeah. so no. But like, I barely even. want Honestly, I watch much more Iowa Hawkeyes women's basketball than I did any of the men. I mean,
1: that, that's, I all mean I need, that's all I needed to hear, Stu. That's one, it. One Great of those weekend. final four
0: games. Uh, what was it, San Diego State? Uh, when they. Th- I mean, that was an incredible game, a, a game winner. I was kind of into the Creighton thing a little bit. I mean, we're getting really deep into basketball. We're just doing a sports. My favorite. My favorite. What I want to do every day too. Yeah. Um, let me uh, let me go another way because I think one of the things that's interesting about. The rise of, of women's college basketball is that women did it on their own. They were able to just outperform the men. Maybe not in a head-to-head game, but I think as, for, as far as interest goes, the opposite is happening with people like Leah Thomas. And this this clip has been going viral over the past couple of days. I want to play for you and get your reaction. This is uh, Riley Gaines on not just hey, I would you know I would like to being a women's sport against women, uh, going up against Leah Thomas she's talking about, but also what is going on inside the locker room. Uh, listen to this. In addition to being forced
1: to give up our awards, our titles, not opportunities, the NCAA forced female swimmers to share a locker room with Thomas, a 6'4", 22-year-old male who was fully intact with male genitalia. Let me be clear. We were not forewarned. We were not asked for our consent, and we did not give our consent. If nothing else, I hope you can truly see how this is a violation of our privacy
0: and how some of us have felt uncomfortable, awkward, um, embarrassed, and even traumatized by this experience. I mean, absolutely heartbreaking. And also, you know, we're in the Me Too era. How on earth can that be going on?
1: Well, I love when you look at Riley initially, she was one of the Tie winners with yeah. Leah, exact tie in swimming, which is very rare in and of itself. And Riley was one of them that was approached and said, Hey, for picture purposes, we need Leah to stand on the first place podium. You're going to stand on the second place podium, even though you had the exact same time. We're going to need to do this for the NCAA pictures. And then you go and you, mm. and you think about everything else, right, that, that she has already had to deal with in the locker room. So at that point, you're saying you're not even going to be given the recognition that you deserve for tying for first place. You're also now going to be forced into a locker room with a male I remember when it came out and some of Leah's teammates were saying, yeah, our our coach said, this is going to happen. Whether you like it or not, you should go to counseling. You should go see whoever you need to talk to because this is how it's going to be. So everybody else, right, however many numbers that is, whether it's on their team or it's others that are still sharing a locker room for these tournaments that they have, all of those, that huge number of people, have to give in for one person mm. to make that one person feel accepted and loved and told that, you know, what they're doing yeah. is better than anybody else. But yet you can have a full room of people feeling uncomfortable. And that's what they, that's what they say right there in, in that video that, that Riley said, you know, I don't want to do this. I wouldn't want to be a part of that. T- to go through that, and to be told, you know, you're doing something wrong if you don't agree with it. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine what kind of that what that kind of emotional inferior. distress that would actually lead to yeah. in somebody's
0: young life. Yeah. You know, suddenly like, I look at, you know, you look at colleges, you think of them as liberal bastions. You know, in my mind, when all this stuff started, I pictured most of the women on the, you know these teams just being like, oh, of course we want to embrace this. It doesn't seem like that's true at all. Are you seeing in the sports world a pushback on this stuff? Is there something turning around here?
1: Well, Whenever you see a male entering a female space, they always get first or second, Stu. They're not (laughs) like the middle of the pack. (laughs) They come in and they dominate the sport. It doesn't happen the other way. If Riley said, hey, you know what, today I, I feel like a dude. I'm going to go swim with the guys, yeah. me and Michael Phelps, we are going to go head-to-head, Riley would get beaten down, and she knows it, and it's not a fair fight. So is there a pushback happening now? I believe so because, unfortunately, we are seeing this. In so many cases, right? We were all laughing um, for one of the Summer Olympic Games, where it was the bodybuilder, weightlifter. Mm. I think they, I think he was from Australia, mm-hmm. I believe, at the time, and we we're all like, "Oh, come on! Look at that! Right. Wow! That's <laughs> What's going on! That here? is that is wrong! You shouldn't do that, especially like yeah. bodybuilding, right? Like, sure, very male-dominated mm-hmm. sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but then now it's in swimming, and then it's in cycling, and it's more and more because. There's, there hasn't been pushback until very recently now, and, and Riley is one of those that is leading the way, and because she sees what it is, that if I don't stand up, if I don't say something, I'm the one that was affected by this. Yeah. It has to be somebody like me with my voice that I can speak to and say I was personally affected by this.
0: It's incredibly brief. Because she's not going to – I mean, she gets nice commentary from from us. Yeah. But outside of this world, she's not getting a lot of love for this, I'm sure.
1: The court of public opinion is not Mm -hmm. going to look kindly upon Riley at this point in time. But I think that history
0: overall will. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think there will definitely be the the hard pushback from Twitter and that sort of court. But I think generally speaking, people – look at this, and they know. Like, they all know. They know this is ridiculous, and hopefully we can get to a world where everyone starts admitting it again because we all knew it for the last couple thousand years, and all of a sudden we've forgotten in the past few weeks.
1: Yeah, we decided that being trans is all of a sudden trendy and cool. Yeah. yeah. And we said, oh, I, th- I thought that was a mental illness because <laughs> my whole life growing up, it was mental illness.
0: And, and now we just have to come up with a whole new reality. Jill, we live in a weird place. This is a weird time. This is weird. It is weird. It's a weird time. Well, thank you for joining us. Let's just go
1: back to talking about Caitlin Clark. Let's do that. I like it. It's way better that way.
0: Caitlin Clark, fan club, coming up next. Uh, Jill Savage here, contributor right here on Blaze TV. Thanks so much for coming on and talking Caitlin Clark with me.
1: Anytime. Literally anytime, (laughs) (laughs) Stu.
0: You know, a lot of times we talk about technology and AI and our privacy, and I'm very pessimistic because I just don't think people are capable of resisting this stuff. If it works well, they're just going to use it, and they don't care about any of the other concerns that you and I might have. A new uh, graph, sort of backing that up here, Gen Z loves Google. Yes, they love Google, and they have a, a chart of the companies young people hope to work at, and here's where it is. If you think they care about any of this stuff, Google's number one, 16%. The biggest spy agency in the world, federal government, number two, at 6%, and then Apple is at number three. Like, they just, uh, this is just going to happen to us. And you just need to get used to it. Just embrace our future AI overlords, okay? They're gonna, if you you talk nicely to them, maybe they won't kill us really quickly. Um, By the way, Google is, uh, they're doing some uh, cost cutting. They are cutting down on employee laptops, services, and staplers. (laughs) Now, Google makes a lot of money. Staplers, is that really their, uh, that's gonna make a big difference for Google? It's hard to imagine, although we do have this internal footage of one of the Google employees losing their stapler.
1: And, uh, oh, oh, there it is. What? Here, let me just go ahead and get that from you. Mm. Great. So, if you could just get to that as soon as possible, that would be terrific. Okay. Thanks a bunch, Milton.
0: Goodbye. Bye. Okay. But I could set the building on fire. Don't take Milton's swing line. Don't do it. Don't do it. Classic from Office Space. By the way, this is maybe my favorite headline the entire day, because I just love how pathetic it is honestly marianne williamson making gains against joe biden new poll suggests now what the poll actually <laughs> says is the last time they did this poll she was down 77 to 4 okay are you excited yet mm-hmm. now she's down 73 to 10 So she went down from 77 to four to 73 to 10. If you project that over the next 16 centuries, eventually Marianne Williamson will win this race. And I hope Joe Biden is, I mean, he'll still be alive, obviously, because he's apparently going to live forever. Uh, But I hope he's looking at this and freaking out about it because Marianne Williamson, right on his tail. I think we, I'm going to make the prediction right now. People aren't going to like it. I'm going to make the prediction right now. How does 2024 play out? In a very close election between Marianne Williamson and Asa Hutchinson, write it down. That is absolutely going to happen. If you've watched the coverage of the Trump indictment over the past weeks, and you thought to yourself, "This is pathetic. This is wrong. They're not trying to t- even attempting to tell the truth anymore." You're right on all of that, and that's why Blaze TV exists. We would love for you to join us. BlazeTV.com/stew. We love it if you're watching for free. That's too. That's cool too. But if you take an extra minute, if you had an extra few bucks, we'd appreciate you joining the team. BlazeTV.com/stew. The promo code is stew. Save you ten bucks. We'll see you tomorrow.